Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hey, this is Dan Cassetta, your podcast host for Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I was thinking about the Changing Lives concept and a book came to my mind. I wrote a blog some time ago called The 10 Books That Changed My Life, uh, where I spotlight a bunch of the books that have had the most powerful and lasting impact on my life and career. And in that blog, I said, if I had to suggest one book to begin the process of life change, it would be this book right here. It's called The Four Agreements. The author is Don Miguel Ruiz, and he is a descendant of Mexican Indians, of the Toltec tribe. And in the book, he passes along what he considers to be the ancient wisdom of the Toltec people, some very simple ideas for a better life. And when I say simple, I mean simple, yet these ideas in the book, The Four Agreements, are deceptively simple. And I think you'll see what I mean when I share with you what the four agreements are. And I also share with you some of my interpretations of the four agreements. So let me first share with you the first one. The first one is be impeccable with your word. And what Ruiz writes, the way he defines that is he says, speak with integrity, say only what you mean, avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. I think it's so important to develop integrity to your word, to become known as the kind of person who does what you say you will do. That is a very important reputation to have as it builds a significant amount of trust in the people who are around you. Tony Robbins taught many years ago a concept where he says that what people crave most is a feeling of certainty. This is what people crave most in their life, a feeling of certainty. And when someone is not impeccable with their word, when they say one thing, but then they constantly change their mind or they do something else, they don't follow through on what they say they're going to do, it creates a massive amount of uncertainty in people around them. You don't know what to expect. You don't know what you're going to get. You feel like you're walking on eggshells with people who are around you. And it's just not a comfortable vibe to have with others, particularly with those people who are closest to you. When you're impeccable with your word, 
people then feel more certainty. They know what to expect. They know you will follow through. If you say something, that's what's going to happen. That's what you're going to do. Of course, there are still times where you know circumstances change or people change their mind. But when it's very, very rare, people develop a, a lot greater trust and confidence in you. And it really builds a trusting relationships. Another part of this concept of being impeccable with your word is to avoid over committing yourself. This is a problem I used to have when I was a lot younger, particularly as a leader, where I would say, sure, I'll do this and sure, I'll do that and sure, I'll do this. And I would wind up with more things in my schedule than could possibly fit. I think it's important to watch for that. Think before you sign yourself up for something. There's a quote from Les Brown that I learned a long time ago that's always stuck with me, which, which is make commitments with care and honor them with integrity. So if you're a little bit careful what you commit to, then it's a lot easier to honor those commitments with a high level of integrity. Another idea along these lines of being impeccable with your word is to not exaggerate facts. Once people catch you exaggerating, they wonder about everything you tell them. They just put a question mark after everything else that you say. I once heard somebody talking about another person and they were they were saying something along the lines of, you know, how fast somebody got from one place to another driving. And this very shrewd and smart guy says, well, you know, I'd have to know what their exaggeration factor is. He was trying to decipher how accurate that statement was. And he used the term exaggeration factor, right? You don't want to be known as somebody with an exaggeration factor. You want to be known as somebody who says things accurately, doesn't exaggerate. Again, this builds trust in people around you. Now, I would also add on this topic of being impeccable with your word, it's important not to say anything about someone that you wouldn't say directly to that person. Be careful about the way that you speak to others. I think that a lot of times people will say things that are uh, could be insulting or hurtful to other people, but they'll do it away from them. They'll do it in a group or they'll do it on social media, for example, where there's not that immediate interaction with others. And this is another thing that I would be careful of that uh, to me falls under this topic of being impeccable with your word, right? If you have something to say, say something directly to someone, say it in a way that's respectful, that's not hurtful. I love the concept of calling in versus calling out on social media. Instead of some calling someone out and you know being disrespectful in a, in a rebuttal that you have, send them a private message instead and call them in to a different way of thinking, a different way of being. Invite them over to the way that you think and operate versus calling them out publicly, making trying to make them look bad, for example. And, and I just think it's important when I think about being impeccable with your word, it's important to spread positive influence in every opportunity that we have. Share good information with people in your network. Use your social media in a positive fashion and be a positive influence on others. There's a ripple effect that gets created in how we interact with other people and learning to be somebody who is a positive influence is important. And that starts with our word, the things that we say. So that's the first agreement, be impeccable with your word. The second agreement in the book is don't take anything personally. 
And the way Don Miguel Ruiz defines that is he says, nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. And I love those words that he chose, needless suffering. I think that the way most people respond to the influence of others causes this needless suffering in that we're constantly taking things in a way that's personal and we're taking offense versus just receiving what's out there and learning to interpret things in a way that's more constructive and more positive. You know, I had the great writer Dushka Zapata on this podcast, and I asked her, how are you getting better on a regular basis? And she said, you know, I asked her, how are you better today than you were one year ago? And she said, I suffer less. And every year she's learning how to interpret the things that happen in her world in a way that's better and more constructive. And I just think that's such a great objective is just let's suffer less in our life. And, and it's largely a choice that we can make. Have you ever heard someone say, oh, gosh, he makes me so mad or, oh, gosh, he makes me so angry, right? Have you ever heard someone say that? Have you ever maybe heard yourself say that? Well, I would suggest that you don't let anyone have that power over you, right? Don't let anyone have that power to make you mad, to make you angry, to make you sad, Right, learn that the vast majority of our emotions are of our own choosing, and that comes through our own interpretation of the things that are happening around us. Not taking things personally is a big part of that. I also think it's important to make a massive paradigm shift about receiving criticism, a massive paradigm shift, a complete change in our thinking of how we receive criticism. Think about how you would feel if you were at an event with somebody, with a bunch of people, and somebody came up to you and they said, hey, hey, you got something in your teeth. You'd be like, oh, wow, thanks, right? Or you have a string hanging on your coat or some other you know, blemish uh, that you would want someone to point out. Typically, when somebody points those sorts of things out to us, we're like, oh, thanks, thanks, I appreciate it, right? You're so glad. But when people point out the other blemishes that they see within us, so often we become defensive and we receive it poorly, or we turn the mirror around on them really quick to say, well, you know, your you know, shirt doesn't even match your, your uh, tie, right? And you point out something negative about them. Just when I think about this idea of not taking things personally, how we receive critical feedback from others is an important part of this. Instead of being defensive around feedback that we get from others, I think it's important to view feedback with gratitude because it takes energy for someone to be able to come up and tell you, hey, you know what? Here's something I think that I've noticed that uh, you could work on or you could improve or that I don't like or whatever it might be. It takes energy to do that. If people didn't care, they just wouldn't say anything. And so be grateful when you have people who are willing to be open and candid with you about any aspect of your life or how they receive you. That is a critical way 
of improving in life. In fact, it's probably the most critical way we can improve is by receiving feedback from the people who are around us. In fact, from the people who are around us the most are the most resourceful to us if we are open to receiving that feedback. It's a tool for greater self-awareness. It's the most rapid way to improve ourselves. And then I've got one more thing to add on this idea of not taking things personally. And it's this, it's to never assume bad intentions when someone does or says something that bothers you. Never assume bad intentions. In fact, I would spin that around even more to say, always assume benign intentions, that there's not a negative intent there. Always start from that place. I know that's not always true. I know that sometimes people will do stuff specifically because they're trying to irritate us. They're trying to tear us down in some way. And even when I notice that happening to me, I like to act like I didn't see it. I like to, you know, almost pretend like I'm not seeing it because I feel like I'm, I'm not letting them get my goat. I'm not letting them upset me. Right. And maybe in that way, I am able to feel, you know, more control over my own emotions and make sure they realize they have less control over my emotions than they might think. And so just this whole idea of how we interpret things that that happen to us and not assuming bad intentions uh, when someone does something that might otherwise bother us. That's the key uh, of the four agreements right there. Don't take things personally. Now, the third of the four agreements is don't make assumptions. I love this one. And as I become more and more aware of applying the four agreements in my life, I become more aware of all the times every single day where somebody makes an assumption that oftentimes is completely untrue. Oftentimes it's the opposite of what is actually going on. And What Ruiz writes about this is he says, find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness, and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. That is what Ruiz says about not making assumptions. Now, as I think about this one, I try to process it. One of the first ideas that came to my mind is the idea that different people process information in different ways, right? If you think about the five or 10 people you hang out around the most, each of you is an individual person with individual preferences and individual ideas and concepts and knowledge. And you, each of you processes information in different ways, right? I think a classic example of this would be, you know, male versus female, right? Guys process information in different ways than, than ladies do. And, and this applies to a lot of different areas of life where something that one person might think is funny, another person might think is offensive, something that one person might think is interesting, somebody else might not be interested in at all. And there are certainly many inherent male versus female differences that, that crop up a lot in relationships. And that's something to be aware of and and to consider. And that's why asking questions for clarification is really important to gain an understanding, right? You want to gain an understanding of how somebody really is feeling about something, what they really do think about something versus assuming that you know 
how they are feeling or what they are thinking. And another part of not making assumptions is not assuming that others can tell how you feel, right? That's the flip side of this, right? A lot of times we assume, oh, somebody can tell how I'm feeling or thinking, or they know, you know, what I, what I want here, or how I'm thinking about this. But that's, that's problematic as well, right? We need to learn to be able to communicate very clearly, right? What are our wants? What are our needs? We also need to be able to learn to communicate without a lot of ego and too much emotion. There's a great quote I saw from Stephen Covey that I put on social media recently, which is, when the air is charged with emotions, an attempt to teach, or in this case, I would say an attempt to influence, is often perceived as a form of judgment and or rejection, right? When the air is charged with emotions, people receive the message we're giving them a whole lot differently than when we communicate without a lot of ego and without a lot of emotion on a day-to-day basis. And so learn to communicate clearly without a lot of ego, without too much emotion, without the, uh, a sarcastic tone of voice. And when receiving information, be clear about asking questions. Be deliberate about asking questions to clarify what it is that somebody truly is thinking and feeling. This is all an important part of not making assumptions. And what's interesting is that if you have trust that's built from being impeccable with your word and you don't take things personally and people know you don't take things personally, then clear communication works better. And your clear communication with others will be well-received and will be extremely helpful. And others' clear communication back to you will be well-received and will be more helpful. So these things all tie together, the four agreements. And I think there's such great fundamentals for daily living. The fourth of the four agreements is simply always do your best. And Ruiz writes, your best is going to change from moment to moment that it will be different when you're healthy as opposed to when you're not, that under any circumstance, simply doing your best will help you to avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. I think it's important at the outset here of this point to point out that your best is not a comparison to anyone else. It's doing the best with what you have. I've often used the phrase greatness in the moment to describe bringing your best to what you do. That's a phrase that I took from a different book called The 12-Week Year, greatness in the moment. To me, that's the essence of being your best, right? Your best is not something that happens over a long period of time. It's something that happens daily and within each day, within each decision that we make, within the moments in our days. And that's what leads to greatness in the long haul, is those moments, those small decisions. When we do less than our best at anything, it has a very deteriorating effect on our psyche. It erodes your self-image, it erodes your confidence, and it lowers your future expectations. And the flip side of that is that when you give your best at anything, you feel better about yourself and you feel more deserving 
of success, which makes you feel more motivated and inspired. And also, of course, when you give your best at stuff, more often than not, you're going to reach your goals. You're going to actually succeed. And what this leads into is what we call a success cycle. It's like an upward spiral of success in your life. Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich called it the success consciousness. The success consciousness is when your very awareness is that someone who does well, who succeeds at things, who's good at stuff. That's who you want to be. That's the expectation you want to build in yourself. The goal for you should not be to be better than anyone else, but rather to be better today than you were yesterday. And that's a great thing you could ponder right now. What are you doing to get better every day? How are you continuing to improve yourself? How are you continuing to learn and grow? I keep a to-do list on my computer desktop. And at the top of it, it says, did you do your best today? And I have to read that every single day. It sticks out every single day as I'm looking at my list and I'm checking off what I accomplished and I'm moving stuff around uh, to prioritize my next day. And and I just want to challenge you with that idea to be great today. Be great today. Be your best today. And if you can carry that into the next day and the next, you can live an excellent life through always giving your best. So those are the four agreements. Now, I want to share a couple last ideas that relate to some of these things. And these ideas are not from Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh, These ideas are from Don Daniel Cassetta. Uh, So here's the the first one is uh, to develop a win-win mentality. Develop a win-win mentality. Succeeding in life and becoming a great influencer of people is not about us trying to win at the expense of other people. Real success in business and real success in relationships involves the other feeling good as well. Think about, for example, making a sale for those of you who are with Cutco, right? When you make a sale, right, we feel great. We succeeded at selling something. Hopefully, if it's done right, the customer also feels great that they got something of great value that they're going to enjoy and they're going to be able to have for the rest of their life. And that the real essence of selling should always be win-win. You think about conflicts in relationships. Conflicts in relationships are not resolved when one person feels like they won, right? Conflicts in relationships are resolved when both people feel good about the outcome. And so to resolve conflicts in our life, we have to be genuinely interested in others' well-being. We can't want a one-sided outcome ever. We have to be genuinely interested in other people's well-being. Stephen Covey teaches a great question in interacting with somebody and trying to resolve a conflict. And the question he teaches is, why don't we agree to communicate until we can find a solution that we both feel good about. Can you agree to that? Think about that question and applying that in a conflict situation. Hey, why don't we agree to communicate until we can find a solution that we both feel good about? Can you agree to that? If somebody does not agree to that, they're clearly not interested in your well-being. They're not interested in your side at all. They're only interested in their side. And that is really negative. 
And that might not be a relationship that you want to sustain or cultivate. Certainly, if you're if that's a business relationship, that's one that you can walk away from right then and there. So if somebody says yes to that, then they are agreeing, okay, hey, I want to make sure I feel good here, but I also, I'm okay making sure you feel good. Uh, we can work on this until we can both feel good and find a solution we both feel good about. To me, that's the essence of a win-win mentality. I would also say when it comes to conflict, an important bit of advice I would have is to be the first mover in any conflict situation. And what I mean by the first mover, the first mover is typically the first person to say what? To say, I'm sorry. And oftentimes I've suggested this and people are like, well, I don't want want to say I'm sorry because I, you know, I'm not sorry, right? Well, are you sorry that you're in this situation? Well, yeah, I guess. Well, then start with that, right? Hey, I'm sorry that we got into this situation where we both just can't seem to agree. You don't have to be sorry for what happened, but you can be sorry for where you are now. At least start with that. Or if you can summon it up, right? Beginning, the first mover could begin by saying, hey, you know what? You're right. Particularly when you do realize that, you know what? I think I I had it wrong in this situation. I, I can open up here by saying, hey, you know what? You were right about that situation, right? Be that first mover. A lot of times people say, oh, well, isn't that weak? It's the exact opposite. To be the first mover, it takes a strong person, a very strong person. Because as the first mover, what you're doing is you're subordinating your ego to your purpose. You're truly more interested in what's right right now instead of who's right. Holding on to your, you know, your belief or your thought or your action or whatever it is that you did. Holding on stubbornly at the expense of having a relationship, at the expense of solving an issue at the expense of moving forward, right? It takes a strong person to be able to subordinate their ego to their purpose, to recognize what's most important here. And let me do what it takes to be able to move in that direction. And then last, and this relates to the win-win mentality, is to learn to be a giver, not a taker. A taker is always looking out for their own benefit. A giver trusts that the world gives back to those who give. A taker always asks what's in it for me, whereas a giver looks for ways to add value to others. A taker sees the resources of the world as scarce and limited, whereas a giver sees the world as a place of unlimited possibilities. In the past, I've often used the metaphor of a giant potluck banquet. You know, when you attend a a potluck, a giver is excited to bring their best stuff to the event. A taker taker shows up empty-handed, right? Or maybe they come to the picnic with a warm bottle of soda, you know, that's not even iced for people to enjoy. If one or even a few guests come empty-handed to a big giant potluck, it might not get noticed. And everyone should still have plenty to eat and drink. But if more people show up empty-handed, then the pleasure of the experience for everyone in attendance starts getting diminished. 
And on the other hand, if every single person who came to the potluck brought their best dish, the overall value of the entire event is multiplied and everyone in attendance will get a greater share of the enjoyment of the event. The world is a lot like that potluck banquet. If we all bring our best to the party, we enhance the life experience for everyone that we come in contact with. If we choose not to add value to the world, then we diminish the life experience for everyone. And everyone else who acts in the same selfish manner will diminish our own life experience. And so what will you choose to be a giver or a taker? I'll end with this, which comes from uh, the other 90%. Day after day, every one of us is capable of small yet exceptional acts of initiative and caring. When we live our lives in original ways such as these, we also come to realize that positive behaviors are a primary driver of positive attitudes, not the other way around. Positive behaviors are a primary driver of positive attitudes, not the other way around. Want to feel happy and fulfilled? Positive behaviors are the driver. So start by being impeccable with your word. Learn how to stop taking things personally. Leverage clear communication with others instead of making assumptions. Ask more questions and do more listening. Maintain a win-win mentality and bring your best to every day. Be great today. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.